I was buried I was buried beneath my shame who could carry that car of weight yes it was my turn till I met you come on I was breathing but not alive hey. All my failures I tried to hide It was my turn Till I met you You called my name You called my name my soul and your freedom is all that I know the old may knew Jesus when I met you you called you called those lyrics up so everybody can follow this. It's powerful. I needed rescue. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. The chains break at the weight of your glory. 
I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open. When you call my name, when I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness into heavy the chains break out the weight of your glory i needed shelter i was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when i was broken you were my healing now you love is the somebody in the room who's run out of that grave come on Jesus thank you so much if you haven't yet if you haven't experienced his grace and love over your sins this morning we just want to we want to encourage you to have an encounter this morning just to come before him and put your faith in him this morning and you'll come right out of your grave you'll come right out of your guilt because your grave is the guilt of your sin Let's sing that chorus again. When you called my name, then I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day. When you called my
ourselves this morning and look to him and allow him to consume us consume us with your glory this morning Jesus bless you in the name of the Lord there's something about being in an anointed spot like when I look at you from this position I see you like God sees you so it's always just a treat to stand here it's kind of take you in a little bit if I look a little awestruck in the first few moments when I come up, I'm like, man, these are some good-looking people here, you know. Um, and you're, you're really loved by the Lord. Um, let me just say to uh, all you visitors, I, we, we like to recognize you. I see a lot of faces that I've never seen before, uh, but it might just be me. If you're a new visitor, first-time visitor here, we'd like to just know that you're here. You can raise your hand. We recognize you. We've got uh, some people back here. This is Jay Hill's son and daughter-in-law and grandchildren, right? And you're from where? Fort Bragg, Bragg, North Carolina. (laughs) Pleasure to have you here with us. I was going to do this anyway, but um, I didn't even think about you being here as a visitor. Um, I, uh, I am constantly creating a culture of honor, and Jay Hill is teaching... Uh, on Sunday morning at 9, uh, downstairs in the basement, um, I was privileged to, to be in on his teaching this morning. He's teaching about the Holy Spirit. And he is a really anointed teacher uh, and, and, and so knowledgeable in the Word and just uh, full of the Holy Spirit himself. Uh, if you're not coming to that, you need to come to that. And uh, I just want to honor Jay Hill. Uh, Bless you, brother. Thank you for your obedience. Uh, he's a big, strong man, and uh, I actually can tell because I get in the same position um, that he's, you know, I can see a little bit of the nervousness and it's the fear of the Lord gets on him, you know, because he wants to say everything right. Uh, great man of integrity. Um, so, again, I'm going to encourage you to uh, come early, uh, fellowship, learn, and... Um, and get to know some other people. We have any other visitors? Hey, these folks right down here, where are you from? Winston-Salem? Yeah, glad to have you here. Glad to have you, brother. Back here? Burlington, North Carolina. God bless you. Glad to have you. Next to you? Oh, yay. Oh, yeah, yeah, School of Ministry out there, great place. I'm hoping to go there myself, to be honest. Right down here, Virginia, a lot of visitors. 
Hey, sister. Hey. Yeah, New York City. Amen. 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 More, even more, back here. Michigan, welcome. Bless you. Yeah, these sisters, we had the amen section back here this morning. I, I appreciate y'all. <laughs> Liven things up. Hey. Moorhead City, North. Yep. Even more somewhere else. Right here. Richmond, Virginia. Welcome, welcome. Welcome, everybody. We, we kind of get everybody. Anybody else? Anybody else? We want to welcome everybody that's watching us online. Uh, we have a worldwide um, audience, uh, believe it or not, and uh, some really special partners and friends out there. Um, and uh, it's my honor to uh, get to come before you and just share a little something out of the scripture about giving. Um, we're going to receive an offering. If you want to give here, uh, there's a couple of different ways you can give. You've got uh, just write checks. You don't have to put your checks in an envelope. If you give cash and you want somebody to know that you gave it, you can use an envelope and put it on there. If you want to use a credit card, use an envelope because there's a place to write your, your information. Same, same thing online. There's uh, buttons on our website where you can donate and support this ministry as you'd like to. And um, I've read this to you before, but the Lord really impressed it on me again this morning, and I was thinking about Martin coming. Uh, I'm a licensed insurance agent in North Carolina and uh, in Florida, and um, I uh, have licenses for every kind of insurance, but there's one thing common uh, to all insurance, and it's about mitigating your risk, like minimizing your risk, okay? There's a way that you can insure your finances. And this is, a, is absolutely foolproof, 100%, and I'm going to give it to you for free. And this comes from 2 Corinthians. I love you too. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I would recommend that you read this whole chapter, but I want you just to listen. Just try to actively listen to this, um, particularly the way it starts in verse 6. It says, remember this. He that sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he that sows generously, that blessings come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one of you give as he's made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, because God loves and takes pleasure in and prizes above all other things and is unwilling to do without a cheerful giver, one who's prompt in their giving and whose heart is in their giving. And God's able to make all grace, that's every favor and every earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you can always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough that you don't require any aid or support 
and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. I mean, I think that is the definitive word from the new covenant about how God feels about giving and about what you can do and how you can ensure your finances. And I won't take the time to do it here now, but I talked to you privately about uh, my, my life and my wife's life and how you, this word has become so true. I'm a living example that you do not have to be smart to succeed. You just have to be obedient. Simple obedience. God loves a cheerful giver. He'll supply everything you need for every need you have and you'll have left over to give to those who haven't started walking out this word and they need you to give to them. You'll have overflow to give to them. So Lord, we thank you for your word that brings us life that brings us into abundance, that brings us into green pastures and living water. You surely are our shepherd, and we are the sheep of your pasture. Lord, we are thankful that you have called us out of this world, that you have given us your spirit in order that we can hear you and know you and follow you and that you speak to us and prompt us in every way. I ask that you would speak to every heart. Have them give how they want to give, not because they feel obligated to give or they're afraid to give, but because they're cheerful to give. They want to participate, Lord. I thank you that when we give to the poor, you send back to us abundance. Lord, I thank you for this church. I ask your blessing upon it, upon our pastor, and the word he brings us today. In Jesus' name. And I think we have a song coming. Is that right? Y'all just come ahead. And we're going to just come forward. Uh, we have baskets up here at the front. Uh, you just place your offering in those and let our musicians come. How many of you know that it's the Lord's desire, the Lord's desire for his favor to be upon us, upon our children, our children's children? He's always working within us to willing to do of his good pleasure, and we just have to trust him. In these days especially, trust him. And this song is just about that, the blessing of God on our lives.
And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them.
to give these guys another just uh, applause. We appreciate them. Thank you. You know, I was thinking, Lord, everybody that's been up here this morning has been anointed. No pressure now, you know. It's just, uh, I think, uh, but Lord, we, that's what we want. And we thank you. And, uh, hey, Martin, I got, a, uh, I got a text from a friend from uh, G- Georgia. No, Savannah. Yeah, Georgia. He said he was watching, and, and when he heard you, he, he got the answer for what he's looking for. Anyway, I just want you to know that uh, he was looking for something, evidently, and and God spoke through you, but amen. What a wonderful morning. Thank you, JT, for being with us, and Kristen, and his family. And, um, you know, we're the gathering, and if you notice outside on that door, it says, uh, gathering for his kingdom's purposes. So it's not about anything we are doing. I mean, we, we, want, we really want to reflect what the kingdom is up to. And uh, next Sunday, you know, I know we have a lot of speakers but that's just the way I think the Lord has ordained it. I believe, you know, if you come to this church, you'll be equipped because of all the people that come along. And, uh, but next week, there's a guy, and especially close to my heart because he's from Baton Rouge and, you know, he's a Tiger fan and all. But um, if there's any more Tigers, I don't know. There may not be any more. But anyway, he has this vision. It's called One Blood Revivals. And he's going to do many revivals across the country. And they've invited me to be in a part of one in Minnesota. But it's the one blood, and it's, it's the, the purpose is the healing of the races, you know, and just to counter what the enemy's trying to do. Jerry was speaking about it earlier, you know, the division. And uh, so, anyway, I thought, well, come and share with us the vision of that. So he'll be with us next Sunday. Plus, to give me time to spend time with him in preparation and if you can still get into Minnesota, you know, we don't even know all these things that are going to happen. But I do know that God is happening above everything else. And I know that just as we heard and we sang this morning, that which the enemy intends for evil, God can turn for good. And that's the kind of God that we serve. And this is not a scary time. Say, speak to yourself. Say, this is not a scary time. It's an exciting time. Because you know Psalm 2, somebody was referring to that this morning, I don't know which one it was, but, but uh, you know, he that whenever the nations rage and the people are plotting vain things, how does God respond? Do you remember in Psalm 2, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh and he will hold them in strong derision. And in other words, God is going to have the final word, not man. I'm glad for that. How many of you are glad for that? So we need to also talk about things. Church as usual is over. A lot of churches just close the door. I heard of that church in Atlanta closing their door, mega church. Now my first reaction was, you know, that's ridiculous. But then my second reaction is maybe God wanted the door shut. You know, I don't know. I've heard all kinds of words. I don't know, but I'm going to trust him, but... But if we remain silent in this time, then deliverance will come from some other place. But we can't remain silent. We're we're called into the kingdom for such a time as this. And if they... Now, you know, I thought about when I said Jesus was beheaded, I needed to explain further. It was a statue. You guys knew what I was talking about, right? It was a statue in some church, and they came along and 
But it didn't offend the Lord at all. He's not worried about it. It didn't leave a scratch, and he's, he's still up and going. Hey, but I want to talk about the virus for a moment. Because who else? The politicians aren't doing it. We're going to do it. We're going to talk about everything. We're not going to shy back. But anyway, Shirley, what did you read this week? Now, we're not anti-vaccine. We're anti-corruption. We're, anti- we're anti-thievery. We're anti-delusion and deception. So anyway, what did you read? This is about the third article I have read where hospitals uh, like in, in, not India, China and Italy, and then this latest one was in London, where they have been testing people that have recovered from coronavirus and testing their antibodies uh, to see if they're maintaining them. And they are not maintaining their antibodies after, you know, two, three, four months that they're below levels or non-existent. So they are no longer immune to COVID-19, even though they have had it. So my logical thinking is this presents a real problem for the vaccine makers that if people who actually have had the real virus are not maintaining their immunity, how are they going to develop a vaccine that will actually work? So we just want to throw that out there because I think there's going to be a lot of pressure come uh, to accept these vaccines, and there's no, no real proof now that it's even going to work. So just keep that in mind. Amen. But you know what does work? The blood of Jesus. We're not, they're going to try to come and stick me. They're not sticking me. They ain't sticking me. I'm not being stuck. But anyway, I'm not going to. You should study, though, what's in those vaccines. Does that make sense? You know, we don't just get, we don't be quiet because we might offend somebody. This is the time to offend everybody that can be offended. And, you know, anyway, and this is another thing. Now, we're not saying the virus is real. We know that. We know some people. But they've blown this thing way out of proportion. You know that. They're using it as a political tool. They're using it as a tool. It's a great form of deception. And I was watching this today, Fox no, not today. This a few, don't tell a story. A few days ago, Fox 35 out of Orange County, California. I'm glad God's beginning to expose. You know, the Bible says that everything hidden will be revealed. All those things covered are going to be made known. I mean, if you know that, where is it in Ephesians? Somewhere in there, Ephesians chapter 5, that you as the church are supposed to bring to light those things that are hidden. And you're to expose the hidden works of darkness. The Bible says it's even a shame to speak about those things. So it's a shame we even have to speak about this. But anyway, Fox 35 in Orange County was reporting, they were interviewing a doctor. A 20-year-old young man died of the coronavirus. No, he didn't. He died of a motorcycle wreck. But they labeled it the coronavirus. And they were interviewing the doctor. And instead of standing up for the truth and saying no, A virus didn't attack him on I-30. It wasn't a virus that snuck up and knocked him over. Instead of speaking the truth, he thought, well, maybe he could have been killed by the virus. You know what I mean? But anyway, it was a bunch of humba-jumba stuff. And then my friend from uh, Texas, and I thought I should share this because 
then he texts me and he said he has a friend and his father hasn't been in public. What did he say? I got to find it so I can get it correct. You guys are all with me, right? And you know, please don't get offended because it's actually going to end pretty good. I'm going to get in the word. I promise you. Well, I don't even know where that guy went. Maybe someone. Okay, he went 90 days. He was a prepper type man. So anyway, and he's concerned about the real virus. There's a real, how many of you know, there's a real virus. So anyway, but it's really, it's a real virus. But anyway, he wasn't in public and anything and he died. So anyway, they take him to the funeral home and anyway, they're doing all the stuff and the son shows up and they're talking about finances. And the funeral guy tells him, you know, we're gonna mark that he died of COVID because if he's marked down as COVID, we're going to get a lot of money, and you can get a little money off of their expenses on this funeral. He didn't die of COVID. So anyway, the, the young man was offended, and he said, no, you're not going to use my father as a part of your scheme and your corruption. Not about to use my father. Anyway, we're living in some crazy times. How many of you know that? And what makes it hard is there is the truth about it. So they, you know, now what are we going to do with all these that they're blowing up the numbers? You know, I'm going to believe my own self because I know in New York and where was it? Pennsylvania, New Jersey, they sent those who were, they did have the virus into the nursing homes where most of the people that have died, died in the nursing homes. They sent them to run up the deaths in the nursing homes. They may not answer in this life, but I'm telling you, there's going to be a day those guys responsible for that are going to pay. One more thing that I'm going to get. No, two more things. You guys, is it okay? I told Shirley, you know the church has to talk about these things. You can't be scared. Because most of the people are thinking the same things we're thinking. So when you, give them, you talk about it, they say, yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. But the other thing is the mask. I'm not opposed to mask. You want to wear a mask? You can wear a football helmet in here. I don't care. You can wear whatever you want to wear. I thought the other day, that's a facial covering. Maybe I could go into Walmart with a... Anyway, I'm not trying to be silly. But anyway, you know, the people are confused because Dr. Fauci told us back in March, don't wear a mask. It won't do you any good. You don't need to wear a mask. Remember that. Now Dr. Fauci is telling us, wear a mask. You must wear a mask. There will be many deaths. And I was thinking, why did he tell us the first time? Now I know what they say. They, he says, we told you don't wear a mask in March because we didn't have enough masks to go around. Now if you think about that logically, in other words, he was telling us, it's okay if millions of you die. Because we don't have enough masks. But it's okay if a bunch of you die, you know, but at least the important people will get the mask. And anyway, I, I don't know how many people's putting all that together. I don't trust, you know, where the, the word says, let, every, let God be true and every man a liar. Well, this is the day that scripture comes to light. Now, one more thing I got to tell you, okay? I told you, you can, you can call this a conspiracy all you want. I read the playbook back in March. A man sent me the DVD. Then I looked it up and I read it for myself. It was a document put out by the Rockefeller Foundation. 
on lockstep. How do you get everybody in lockstep to comply, to conform? And I read about it, and they talked about how there would be a lessening of the lockdowns, and then there would be an increase of the lockdowns. And then I read about how they had to attack everybody that came out with an antidote or they came out with a remedy. You know, that something that would, there are many things that will take care of this virus. But they're attacking them. So anyway, let's go back to Jesus being beheaded because, you know, that might be more. Uh... But you know what? After they behead the statues of Jesus, they really have something else in mind. How many of you know that? We're not living in a fairyland now. This is not for the weak of heart. Only those that endure. Jesus said, endure to the end. This is the need for faith and patience. Endurance. So we're going to get into all that stuff at some time. I don't know if this is the beast system or not that's gone live, but it sure looks like it. Does that make sense? If it's not, it's just a preparation to prepare us. Because one day you will not be able to buy or sell unless you conform. How many of you know that? So it's a good time to practice. I don't believe the mask is the mark of the beast by any sense. It could be, it's, you know, it, if you go, I mean, don't, anyway, be free. The key is be free. You want to wear a mask in America, wear one. If you don't want to wear a mask, you won't be able to buy any milk. <laughs> you know, anyway, I don't know. That could, could be where we're going. Okay, now you're saying, okay, that's enough of that stuff. I didn't come to church. I can see that. No, you can't. Politicians aren't telling us the truth. Some of them are, but they don't get any voice. They're the ones that get the plug pulled on them. You know that. Now, are they going to pull my plug? Maybe. I wanted to watch that, uh, that movie last night. What was it, Unbroken? I wanted to watch it again because that guy, he was unbroken. How many of you have seen that movie, this Olympian? And he was put into a prison camp, and it seemed like, the head of the prison. It's a true story. He just had his number and he kept picking on him. And anyway, he never broke. He never broke. But the man that issued the punishment, you know, the corrupt man in that prison camp, broke. He fell to his knees. Do you know that there's going to come a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? And I want to be those that bow to him and no other. So I hope you're with me on that same, same page. Now I know one more thing, and then this gets into the message, I promise. I'll go fast. Say, I'll go fast. Some of you are asking me about that prophecy that was spoken by the pastor in Kentucky. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A lot of you. Is it of God? If he was the only one saying what he's saying, I would wonder greatly. But there are many people saying the same thing. Many people. 
And the Bible says that God does nothing except that he share his secrets with his servants, the prophets, with an S. And one of the things that he saw that confirmed what God showed him, he saw there was a change shortage in America. Before there was a change shortage. So anyway, I'm just saying it's a good time to get your heart right with God. You know, Amos, the book of Amos, the word of the Lord came to him about judgment. And that, uh, but it happened two years after he got the word. God is a God of repentance. He wants repentance. And repentance and intercession can change the, heart of, change the hand of God. You know what I'm talking about. So we need to turn to him. And um, how many of you watched Wednesday night? Did any of you watch Wednesday night? Some of you do. I had a vision of the president. And in this vision, he called. It wasn't a press conference, but he, it was a national address. And when the cameras came on, he fell to his knees. And he called the nation in repentance and called the nation back to God. I don't know when that will happen. But I can tell you, it is, it is the solution. It's at least a step in the right direction. America is beyond human remedy. No man will be able to fix the mess we're in. No politician. There's only a God in heaven. And the Lord is calling out to his people, the church, not to stop their services, not to quit and go home, not to run to the mountains and, you know, just barricade yourself, but arise and shine because your light has come. We're the answer. We're the hope. Jesus is the hope, but he lives inside of us. How many of you know that? The days of deception are upon us. They're not coming. Remember when the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Do you remember what he said? How many of you remember? Somebody speak it out. Take heed that no one deceive you. So what's happening today on planet Earth? Mass deception. Evil men and imposters are growing worse and worse. And the Bible says they're deceived and they're deceiving. How are you going to escape deception? Love the truth. Those that love the truth will be saved. Have you noticed there's a war on truth today? There's a war on truth. You stand up and tell the truth, you will become a target. But that's a good sign, because that means you're standing on the side of truth. Anybody can follow the crowd. You know, but anyway, I better get to the Word, because I'll never get here. But I, I'm going to. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Everybody, you guys okay? You're with me? Nobody's freaking out? And now, if you don't agree with me, it's okay. Just don't leave yet. Because I'm going to get in the Word. I believe there's good news. This is the best hour to live. You just can't, you can't be silent. If you go silent, God will raise up deliverance from another place. But He's going to have a Word. He's going to have a people in this hour who are going to do His will. Now, Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to show you some of these things that we're talking about. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, but look in verse 21. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death, 
and the Father. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Are the words in red? The words are in red. Jesus is speaking. I've seen videos on the internet of those who refuse to wear a mask, and it's almost like a murderous spirit rises up against them. It is the spirit of Antichrist. I'm telling you that there's a deception that's coming across the land. And Jesus told us all about it. Now brother will deliver a brother to death. And a father his child. And children will rise up against parents. And they will cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And notice he said for my name's sake. That's how you'll know if you're really following after him. If they hated him, they're going to hate you. It's for his name's sake. And we want to be carriers of his name. But then he says, but he who endures to the end will make it to heaven. Is that what it said? No, we'll be saved. Might as well have said that. You will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. In other words, there's a hope. The hope is in the coming of Jesus Christ. And you're not going to be boxed in. There will be a way of escape. Your way of escape is the Son of God. It is the cross, taking up our cross. But it's also, remember that hope that he's coming again. Verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple, that he'd be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more, how much more will they call those of his household? Now, you could almost skip over that verse. Did they accuse Jesus of having a demon? Yes. Now, did he say they would accuse you in equal manner? No. He said, how much more? will they call those of his household? How much more did they crucify him? How much more will you be hated as well? It's interesting how the Bible just speaks for itself. Verse 26, now here's what you do because of this. Therefore, when you see the word therefore, what do you do? You see what it's there for. So he's talking in context. You're going to be hated by your father. Your father will turn you over to the authorities. All kinds of things are going to happen. Therefore, do not fear them, for there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, make sure you don't speak it out loud because you might get in trouble. No. Shout it. Speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body. Did you hear that? Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. How many of you see the context of that? Have believers been put to death in the history of Christianity in the earth? Has it happened before? I'll go ahead and insert this because I'm just going to wheeze to somehow get all through this. But you know, you know me. I've been, man, I'm believing for revival. How many of you know that? 
We've been praying, God's promised me a great awakening. I'm not going to give up. But, but I think the Lord's spoken to me a correction. Many of us, and possibly myself, we wanted revival so we wouldn't have to go through any trouble. The truth is, he's going to give us revival in the midst of the trouble so we can make it. And so we can call a lot of people to follow with us. That there's only one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the only hope in this hour. And the world's going to listen because they're going to be looking for answers. And you and I will have the answers anyway. I just thought I would throw that out. Don't fear. And then he says, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who is that? Jesus, God. Fear God. You fear God, you won't have, you'll have no problems with the devils. You'll fear God, a holy fear of God. Are not two sparrows sowed for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. The safest place to be in this hour is going to be in the center of his will. People want to know, should I go to Moravian Falls? Should I go to, you know, where? what's another place people are running to? Wherever, in the hills. If the Holy Spirit tells you to run there, run there. But the safest place to be, place to be is in the center of his will. Wherever Jesus tells you to be, be. He is the ark of safety. I know I got a lot, there's a lot of visitors. But one time, you know, there are people that think we're in a, a region of refuge. And I've met many people and they said, well, I'm in a region of refuge. And I met somebody else. They said, no, 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 no. You're not there. I'm in a place of refuge. It's like a competition. I said, well, you know, a lot of people think they're living in a place of refuge. And the Lord spoke in my heart. And he said, because I asked him, God, who's right? Which one is living in the place of refuge? He said, all of them. He said, everyone that makes me their refuge, they're living in a place of refuge. I will be their refuge and their strength. A very present help in time of need. Anyway, he goes on verse 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Now, if you read this in context, that verse 32 means a whole lot more than if you just read it by itself. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That confession is in the context of people threatening to kill you, hating you, despising you, betraying you, family members betraying you, your own family members rising up and saying, put them to death. That's what Jesus says. And in that context, therefore, whoever confesses me, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. How many of you think Jesus means what he says? Now, verse 34, do not think. And we have so many people today 
But let's just read what he said. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Now you have to understand the context of this. It's all in a context. When these things begin to happen on the earth, Jesus is doing something. He's brought his sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Are we not seeing that happening in this hour? But he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross, take his cross and follow after me, is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. It's amazing. The words of Jesus. All you have to do is read the words of Jesus. Now look over in Matthew chapter 7. Go oh, good. I've got, I can do this in about 15 minutes. Are you guys with me? Where else we got to go? This is the boringest time in my life to be a sports fan. They're going to try to be, play baseball, I think. But you have to keep six feet distance. So I'm just thinking, how is the catcher going to keep six feet? And when you run to first base, is the first baseman going to get off six feet? No, that's not what they're going to do. I don't know it. They got fake stands, fake crowd in the stands. What if they're cheering when I want them to boo? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. This is a crazy time. How many of you, how many of you would have gone back to bed the first day of 2020 if you had known all this stuff was going to happen? You just... I'm going back to sleep. Wake me up in the year 2021, man. I'm bypassing, I'm bypassing this year. Uh, but you couldn't do it. Okay, look at this. Chapter 7, and I'm just going to point out some things. Look at this, verse 21. Not everyone, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So that tells us right there, there will be a lot of people who will call him Lord. They will call him Lord to his face. That's what he says. They will say to me, not just show up at church, but their testimony will be Lord, Lord. But not everyone shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father... Many, verse 22, say many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Interesting how he repeats that. Lord, Lord. There must be some emphasis there. He must want us to know. Lord, Lord. They mean business. Have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. He uses in your name three times. Prophesied in your name. Cast out demons in your name. Done many wonders in your name. Now look, in, look over back in verse 13 real quick. The many. You don't want to pass the many. Jesus said many will say to me in that day. Well, look in verse 13. Jesus said 
enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are what? Many who go in by it. There are many. Being a part of the many is not necessarily the thing to do in this hour. Verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are what? Few who find it. Many will live for themselves. They'll do what they thought was their own will. They thought it was the will of God. But the few will do the will of the Father. Do you see that? Does that make sense? Okay, let's look down in... um, No, verse 23 is the scariest verse to me in all the Bible. Because all of these were those who believed that he was their Lord. And they did the works that would prove to others that he was their Lord. If anyone had any question, you could just say, well, look at my my testimony here. I'm casting out demons. I'm doing a lot of wonderful things. I think God's doing all this right now. I think he's dividing The sword is in the land. He's dividing the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares, the wicked from the righteous, the holy from the unholy, the just from the unjust. Malachi, those who serve God from those who do not serve God. You serve God, you're not going to close down in this hour, you're going to rise up. You'll arise and shine because you know your light has come. Those who close down have never had a calling from God. I know some may not like that. and So be it. Listen. What do you think you're made for? You're made. If you lose your life, you'll find it. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. And Jesus is dividing Right down the middle. Anyway, I declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, I know there's a lot of lawlessness going on right now in the streets of America. And there are many that are, you know, promoting it encouraging it, because they have an agenda. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the lawlessness in one's own heart, right? It's the one who has failed to surrender their heart in yielded obedience to him. And they're in rebellion and lawless. They've, yet, they've never yielded to, his, to him as Lord, and his law has not been written in their heart. Does that make sense? Verse 24, therefore, boy, there's a lot of therefores in these scriptures. You need to see what they're there for. They all fit in context. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew 
and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. You know, if you had one goal in mind this morning, it might be um, to ultimately enter into the gates of heaven. You know, that not, wouldn't be a bad goal, you know what I mean? He talks about that in the scripture. He that does the will of my Father in heaven. Wouldn't be a bad thing to think about. But you know, we need to remind the world, not only is there a heaven to gain, but there's a hell. And you don't have to go there. How many of you know hell was not created for men and women? But it was created for the devil and his angels. But how many of you know the devil doesn't want to be all alone there? What happened to the preaching of hell in America? It exists. You know why people don't want to hear about hell? Because they don't want to know. They don't want you to tell them they're going to be held accountable one day. They're going to have to answer to the deeds done in the body. They're going to have to give an account as to what they did with Jesus. Whether they yielded and surrendered or whether they rejected and went their own way. So we need to let people know about that. In fact, heaven, there's a great inheritance in heaven. Remember what Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth, but in heaven. But as long as you're on the earth, since he's the God who provides, sounds like you're going to be provided for. Sounds like to me, Jesus has a lot more going on than what we ever dreamed he had going on. And he's going to reveal that in this hour. Well, let's just talk about storms for a moment. How many of you know there's storms coming? We've been seeing it. I've been hearing people prophesy. I've seen storms. Literally, I've seen storms. But you have too. I remember as a little boy, I'll never forget Hurricane Camille. That was one of the big ones. I mean, there was Betsy and Bill and all those other names. I can't remember them all. Beulah, I remember Beulah, Hurricane Beulah. It knocked down my favorite tree, my treehouse. Beulah knocked down my treehouse. I remember that. But I remember all those storms, and especially Camille. I remember my brother, we, we were out on the carport, and we were looking out, you know, the trees whew, bending over. Some of them, they'd break from time to time. And then all of a sudden, our shed in the backyard blew up. And we looked at each other and we thought, you know, it might be a good time to go inside. <laughs> it's a good time. So we went inside. And I'm looking out the window. And the windows began to buckle. Now, we had tape on our windows. But they began to buckle. And I heard my mother scream in the other room, get away from the window. You know what me and my brother did? We got away from the window. But I'll remember, I'll never forget the boom, boom. The trees falling one by one, the pine trees. Boom. I could hear them outside. And the roof, I thought there were times we thought our roof was about to take off. You know, the whole, it seemed like the whole house was shaking. But we came out on the other side. We made it, my brothers and I. Well, let's just talk about storms. You guys with me? And then we're going to pray, close it up. And I'll come back at a later date and look at all of this. 
There's so much there. But some storms come suddenly without much notice. Some of you know that. Now, Camille didn't come without notice. I remember there was a lot of notice and we were preparing. But sometimes they just, they come. They come from a far distance. There's storms over. There's storm clouds over America right now. How many of you know that? I could stand up here all day and tell you everything is fine, but how many of you know I'd be lying? It's fine in the kingdom. You're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything else is going to be shaken. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be fine in San Francisco. San Francisco is going to have to answer to the sin. I feel like God is saying, San Francisco, prepare to meet your God. That's what I feel like God's saying. Minneapolis, prepare to meet your God. Chicago. Every weekend, what, 11, 10, 14, 18 little black children or people are killed. Many of them are children. There are children. Where's the outcry for that? And I feel like God's, God's going to give an outcry. He loves those little children that are being slaughtered on the streets of Chicago. And yeah, I think he's saying, Chicago, prepare to meet your God. Anyway, storms, you can see them coming from a distance. We knew California was going to experience the storms they're experiencing right now. They, were, they voted in a utopian socialist government. You know what you get when you get socialism? Hell on earth. You get the government of hell. And government run by... Well, anyway... We could have told you, California. You voted for it. You wanted hell, and guess what you got? We, we saw where in 90 days, California may go under and property values of the people. People like you and me, people, a lot of people didn't vote for this. They voted for righteousness, but their properties are soon to go to zero. But only in this life. How many of you know we have properties of which they know not of? We have a financial. I'm so encouraged with our brother Martin Powell. There's a kingdom finance that God has prepared and it's going to release and introduce to the body of Christ. Wouldn't that just be just like God to take care of his own? It's what he said in the scripture. Anyway. How many of you know socialism and communism are the same thing? There are people that have claimed, I'm working for the, the have-nots. I want to give to the have-nots. No, you're not. It didn't work anyway. All you did was take more away from the have-nots and create more of them. It's always the policies of men that leave out God that wreck societies. It's only one of the, the nation whose God is the Lord. That's the blessed nation. Do you know what the Bible says God does with nations that forget him or cities or states? 
How many of you know? He said, I will turn that nation into hell that forgets God. Now, whose word is going to endure? The word of the governors or the word of God? Maybe a lot of, maybe more than our president. Maybe governors will bow and fall on their faces. I tell you, if you do, the God of heaven will have an ear to hear. Your heart, if you turn to him, he will turn to you. And then storms can be a test. They can be a test, and they are. They're, they're a test to see what kind of foundation you've built your life upon. When storms come, you know, a big rainstorm especially, you know, the, the dirt, the, the ground, you know, kind of clears away or runs off, and you can see what's, the ne- what's under that level and what's next. I'm going to show you a scripture. Look over in Psalm 66. You guys all still with me, right? Psalm 66. Verse 12. For you, O God, have tested us. You've refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. Now look look at this. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You caused men to ride over our heads. Who did that? We went through the fire and through the water. But, but, you brought us out to rich fulfillment. That just confirms what I heard just yesterday. I must admit, I wanted revival because I don't want to go through the troubles. I don't want my children and my grandchildren. God's going to send revival to get us through it. And to sound the alarm and a whole lot of people are going to come home. Because you know, the wicked will not turn from their righteousness sometimes until there's judgment in the land. How many of you know the scripture talks about that? It's plain in the scripture. The problem is much of the American church has departed from the scriptures. We follow the, the whims of every other man or some prophecy. I'm all for prophecy if it lines up with the scripture. But if that prophecy conflicts with the word of God, the prophecy goes in the garbage dump. The word of God endures forever. All right, storm, here's number three. Storms separate the righteous from the wicked. They will become known. Proverbs 10, verse 25. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked will be no more. But the righteous have an everlasting foundation. Another thing about storms, you have to watch the forecasts. You have to make a little preparation. Just think if we had not battened down the hatch, put tape on the windows when Hurricane Camille was approaching. Those, I can tell you, those windows that buckled in front of my face would have broken right in front of my face and smashed me to smithereens. You know, there's some things you got to prepare for. God is a God of preparation. I think uh, 
Martin shared a scripture about those. When you see trouble coming or something, you prepare. The wise prepare. The foolish do nothing. And their foolishness will become known to all. I don't know exactly how it says, but it's basically the same thing. And we already saw in the scripture in Amos, God says, prepare to meet your God. The greatest preparation is to prepare your heart. And then another thing about storms is they don't last forever. Thank God that hurricane that I remember as a little boy did not last forever. It changed everything. All of my trees, all of our pine trees, they were all gone after that in our yard. Nothing was the same, but it didn't last forever. Now, here's some other things. Regardless of the intensity of the storm, those who build their lives on hearing and obeying the Word of God will come out fine. They'll survive it. As Martin again shared, somebody once asked the pastor at that time, the largest church in the world in Seoul, South Korea, what's your secret to have the largest church in the world? Say, you want to know my secret? Here it is. I pray and I obey. That's it. And then those who survive the storms will have a testimony of the realness and the faithfulness of God. The American church or American people, you can't blame them. Because I wonder, have they seen the real Jesus? Well, in the coming storms, they're going to see the real Jesus. They're going to get to see the testimony. Remember what Jesus said back in Matthew? Because of me, for my name's sake, you were persecuted, you were hated, for my name's sake. Those who have a testimony of his name, the world will take note. And many are going to come to him in that hour. Now, Acts, this is where we close. Thanks for being patient. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. How many of you know what the word witnesses means in the Greek? How many? Martyr. It's where we get the Greek. It's the Greek word martyrs. And you shall be martyrs to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Wow. So I would ask you this morning, are you ready to face the storms? Many are already facing personal storms. They're saying, hey, if these storms get any worse... I'm in good shape. I'm prepared. I've been going through stuff like you don't even know. And I've discovered how faithful God is. So whatever comes next is going to be like icing on the cake, buddy. I've already found that my God is faithful. I already know my God is my provider. I already know my God is my healer. I already know my God is my righteousness. I already know my God is my victor. I already know my God can do anything. It doesn't matter what comes next. I know the God that's with me, my friend. And I'm not going under. I'm rising up. 
So, so many people can already say that. But can you, and those of you that are watching by web stream, have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Jesus said you must take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself and take up your cross. He died. He rose from the dead. This is the hour to shout that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shouter louder than we've ever shouted before. So we're going to shout it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. You may be a governor. You may be a mayor. I'm telling you, I don't know. You turn to him. You, you come to him on his terms. That's laying down your life, turning from your own sin, putting your trust in the shed blood of Jesus. I promise you, you will not be ashamed. Those that put their trust in him will not be ashamed. So let's just uh, pray and then we're going to lead a prayer for salvation and, and we're going to see what else God's doing. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Thank you that your word will never return void. I thank you, God, that you've raised us up, all of us, many watching, everyone in this room. Lord, we're not just bystanders. We're all participants. You've raised us up for such an hour as this. This is what you've been planning from the foundation of the world. God, we thank you for your sword that is separated already. But God, I thank you for those that are rising up with the testimony of Jesus and they will declare your word and you will be faithful. Signs and wonders will follow them that follow you. And God, I thank you for the message of hope. I thank you, God, that as long as we're on this earth, we're going to proclaim that God so loved the world. God so loved San Francisco. God so loves Minneapolis. God so loves Chicago. He so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And God, I thank you right now. You're, you're casting a net over this nation and the nations of the earth. And you're declaring all that shall call upon me shall be saved. And I thank you, God. It's happening in every nation on the face of the earth. And I thank you you're not going to leave America out. And we give you all the glory and the honor. Now, if you're here this morning, you're watching on the web stream, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You say, I don't know if I know Jesus. Maybe you're just not where you used to be with him. You've grown lukewarm. Do you know that's a dangerous place to be? How many of you know that? You're lukewarm. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. The word literally means vomit. Jesus is a lot tougher than what we've given him credit for. He's not some wimpy man sissified you know he's a, he's a man of war he's a lamb of God but he's also the lion of Judah he's both and he's coming with a roar to answer those who've mocked him the Bible says do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows that he also will reap but our God is a God of mercy, and he will forgive, 
and he will save. And you say, anybody in here, anybody in this room, say, I don't know if I know Jesus. I don't, I'm not where I used to be with him. I, I've grown cold. I want to get hot again. I want you to pray for me. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, I'm believing there's people watching. And they're coming. You wait a little bit longer. They're coming. We won't be able to get them in the doors. Hang on. So let's just pray. Just pray, dear God. Just pray it out loud with me as a reconfirmation. Dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. And he rose from the dead. I confess I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my sin. I turn from my own ways. And I give my life to you. From this day forward, I will follow you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I confess you with my mouth. But I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And I thank you for salvation. I receive by faith and by the promise of God. I've called on you. And I thank you. Your word says that I'm saved. And I have an eternity that will be in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen.